we're starting something new today. Uh, and for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this Old Testament story specifically about a king named Jehoshaphat. And if you've ever watched cartoons, you'll remember the name. That's the only way I even had ever heard of this guy is when I was a kid. Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes. Jumping Jehoshaphat! You know? and, that's, and so I would go around saying that and had no idea what it means or who he was or that he was an actual real guy uh, back in Bible times. But he kind of epitomizes, I think, or sums up when things aren't going so good. Uh, when, when problems come. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah, and this was at a time when Judah and Israel were divided kingdoms. It was around uh, 900 uh, B.C. The Bible said that Jehoshaphat, he was a good king. He was a good king. He, he, he wasn't perfect. He made his share of mistakes. He even needed to be corrected from time to time. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he was a good king. He was a good guy. He was a great leader. We're going to see that even in our story today. And that's one of the things I like about the Bible is that every time it presents someone to us, whether it's David or Moses or Abraham or Jehoshaphat or in the New Testament you've got Peter and you've got guys that are just real people. These are men and women who were not without flaws. You know, even when they're the hero of the story, you, you kind of look behind the scene and think, yeah, but they messed up here, they got off track over there. And I can relate to that, can't you? And that's one of the things to me that rings out the, uh, like the authenticity of Scripture is because it doesn't have a lot of made-up people and circumstances. It never follows the path like of a novel where you can kind of see. It always takes these twists and turns, just like real life. Now, the reason why this story is so interesting uh, to me is that Jehoshaphat found himself in the same kind of situation, except even worse, than I find myself in sometimes. And so many of you find yourselves in from time to time. You know, when we're in the middle of something and we think it's really bad, we get that, uh, I don't even know what you call it, I think it grows out of our addiction to self, you know, that, that we think I'm terminally unique. Nobody's ever gone through what I'm going through. Nobody's ever hurt like this. Nobody's had this loss, this illness. They've never been this broke. But, you know, and we, we tend to put ourselves right in the center of everything, right? And all these problems and other people and circumstances seem to revolve around me. And nobody knows. Nobody knows how hard it's been. Don't nobody love me but my mama. And she could be jiving too. You know, we, we just, we feel that sometimes. In this situation, in this story today, in the events that lead up to it, we're going to see that Jehoshaphat's been really pretty effective in his role as king. He's not splashy like some people you've read about in the Bible. You know, he, he wasn't uh, the same kind of personality that some of the other leaders, but he'd been very successful in the battlefield. Uh, and he made that transition in from from that kind of atmosphere into government, into leading uh, a nation of people. He had uh, established something similar to a public educational system, uh, which was almost unheard of. He set up these learning centers in towns and villages all around Judah so that he could teach the word of, law, the, 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 word of the Lord, the law of God. And the law of God was also... It was like a theocratic society, so it was all based on the same system. So if you get this, 
you've got all of this. You know, I mean, it was just this, it, was, it was a beautiful thing. And he uh, established fortified cities. He stored food and supplies in the event of a drought uh, or you know, a national disaster of some sorts, almost like the first Social Security or insurance, giant insurance program. Uh, he was ready. He even did something kind of interesting, too, that, in that he established these judges uh, in these population centers all over, you know, around the kingdom so that people could go from anywhere in the country to a local judge close by and see that justice would be served in every community. And this kept people uh, pretty satisfied because they could, they could get their problems worked out. It might not always happen the way they wanted it to, but that was pretty smart. There's no reason for a rebellion to grow up. There was no reason, you know, to, to panic or to think we've just got to take matters into our own hands. No, there was a system, and you could work through that system and, and get a fair result. We see that Jehoshaphat was an honest guy. Not everybody was. He was an honest man. He had good motives. He wanted to get the right thing done, and he was making a sincere effort to do his job well. Uh, and here's what the Bible says. Let's just pick up this story in verse 1 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're just going to camp in this chapter for the next three weeks. It says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, together with the Minyanites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. In verse 2, it says these messengers, or these people, came and, and they told Jehoshaphat a vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. He said, they're, they're right at our doorsteps. I mean, everything's rocking along pretty good, and then they come to him, and they're like jumping Jehoshaphat. We, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. We've got this, this, this situation. It's bad enough when you have to go to war against an enemy, right? It's bad enough when you have one opponent. But Jehoshaphat sees three coming at him at the same time from different directions. These three had formed an alliance against him and against Judah at the same time. They had formed this alliance with the sole purpose of conquering the kingdom, taking all the people uh, into slavery that they could and controlling the land. Pretty much a similar agenda all throughout history. But these three enemies at once made up this vast army. Now, man, I just kind of get my geek thing on for a minute, but do you ever see Lord of the Rings? And do you ever see the, the one, uh, I forget which one of the movies it is, but it's when like, there's like a bazillion orcs. Or, and when you call it out, we're going to know that you've watched it too many times and you know the battle scene. But um, they're all coming, and it's just like this machine, this huge, dangerous, overwhelming machine. And they're just marching, boom, boom, and they're formidable. Uh, they're undefeatable. They're unstoppable opponents. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? <laughs> Have you ever felt that you're just trying to do your job. You know, whether it's at work, you're trying to be a good parent, you're trying to be a good student, you know, I, think, I'm just wanna, I just want to do what I'm supposed to do to the best of my ability. And you're honestly trying to do that, and it seems like all the enemies you could possibly have come against you at once. 
Every negative thing that can happen in the world put together happens to you. I was in a counseling uh, situation and a conversation not too long ago, and, and the, the person said, well, here, here's, my, here's my, you know, my big problem. And I said, well, you know, that's fixable. I said, Here, here's some solutions. And I start, you know, I start breaking it down like it's a, a car or something. And, you know, I said, okay, here's, it might be this, this, or this. Let's, you know, let's, let's figure it out. Well, no, this won't work because, oh, I didn't tell you, I got this problem. I go, oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to complicate things. But we can, okay, well, how about we do this? And this would know because, oh, I need to bring you up to speed on the fact that I also have this going on. And, 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 and like in 20 minutes, I said, you know what? I think you're doomed, and I don't know. Good luck. Uh, next. You know, I just, no, not real good. Counselor, but um, it was just one of those kind of situations. I've been there. Haven't you been there? You know, when you've got financial problems, at the same time that you've got health problems, same time you've got maybe career problems and relationship problems, and it's almost as if they all got together, you know, and formed an alliance to attack you at the same time. And together, when that happens, sometimes we just feel like life is too big for us to handle. We feel overwhelmed. I don't know, maybe you have felt like that. Maybe you walked into the room feeling like that today. You say, you know what, I kind of know what you're talking about because you could go into your list. We know what that feels like. Your immediate response may be like Jehoshaphat's. The Bible says that he wasn't just scared. He didn't call in a, a, a prayer request and say, I'm a little concerned because I've got some issues. Now, he didn't, he, it wasn't like that. The Bible says he was terrified. He was scared, scared stiff. He just, he was paralyzed. Have you, I remember one time having all these problems at once, and I went into this, what we call the piano room, and I just sat on the couch, and I sat there thinking, I don't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that just where you're paralyzed? I, I, don't, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to sit here. He knew he was in way over his head. His exact words were something like this in verse 12. He said, our God, will you not judge them? We are powerless. We would say, There's nothing, I don't know what to do. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. Before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us, we do not know what to do, but we look to you. And I'll just go ahead and, and tell you uh, up front, that's probably my favorite verse of this whole passage that we're going to deal with over the next couple of weeks. I don't know what to do. I'm looking at you, Jesus. I, have no, I don't know what to do next. I don't see a solution. There are no answers. I don't have any resources. I'm depleted. So I'm locking onto you, and I'm not going to turn away. We don't know what to do. We're looking at you. We're looking at you. Can you relate to that? I mean, have you ever felt like that? This is too much for me. I don't have the ability. Uh, I don't have that person I haven't called on yet or that th the power, the wisdom. I, I don't know how to solve this. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to look at you. That's where Jehoshaphat was when he faced this attack from these multiple enemies. 
But in this story, he learned something about how to experience not only those circumstances that we're all going to go through, but within that, to see the power of God. And if you're facing attacks from all sides, um, or if you do soon, I hope you would remember this. Just like King Jehoshaphat, you are a perfect candidate to experience the fullness of God's power in your life. I look back, and every time I went through these kind of moments, every time that I paid attention, every time that I'm looking at the Lord, I'm like, God, I'm not going to go through this by myself. Been there, done that, tried that. I'm just going to walk with you in obedience. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Every time I've come out with a testimony. Every time I've got another story. And I can sit down with you over coffee and go, oh, one time the car broke and the baby's sick and this and this. And then out of nowhere this happened and then this. And I've got those stories. I want you to have those stories. It's, it's a good opportunity. If, if you will follow Jehoshaphat's example, you're going to get the same blessings that he ultimately received. That's a big statement, and it sounds a little like, sometimes I say things like that, I think, I sound like one of those guys on TV, you know? I sound like one of those preachers that go, ooh, preacher talk, that's preacher talk, you know? And I used to listen to that, and I would tell my friends, preacher talk, preacher talk, they just say stuff, preachers just say things, it doesn't mean anything, I mean this, okay? I didn't say it carelessly, I say purposefully. You can have those kind of blessings like he received. Now today, as you kind of look out over the horizon of your life and the first words that you think are, oh, no, you know, or we're in trouble, um, it seems like all your problems are attacking you. You, you. You're doing this, and you look over and think, oh, now I, got, I got, also got this to deal with. Um, this series is for you. Uh, not only will the lessons we learn, hopefully, from Jehoshaphat give you hope, but they're going to give you uh, this ability, this insight into how to make the transition from being a victim of your circumstance to being a victor, to being victorious over what is you're facing. And in this message, let's focus on the, the first thing and like the big thing you need to know when, when this happens, when, when trouble strikes like that. You need to get serious, and if you kind of have to duck out and go to work or whatever... Um, just remember this, that the key, the answer is in seeking the Lord. And he said, we don't know what to do, but we're looking at you. We're looking at you. That's it. Seeking God. Former baseball great Satchel Paige once said, don't pray when it rains if you haven't been praying when the sun shines. You know? and, I, and I get what he said. I mean, that's good advice. Uh, I, I understand that. But sometimes it doesn't make sense to me, you know, and I think it just compounds whatever you're going through for me to say, oh, you weren't praying when things were going good, and now you're going to call on the Lord? I don't think so. Now, you think, oh, great, now I feel guilty, and I've got all these problems, and I don't feel like I've got a resource to go through. So I'm going to contradict um, this guy just a little bit and say, pray, <laughs> you know, go, go to the Lord. Uh, and you can do like I've done. Hey, Lord, it's me. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I talked to you a few days ago or a week or so. It's been a month. Yeah, what? Oh, two months? Yeah, <laughs> time goes by so fast. I have missed you. You know, and you start, you've prayed prayers like that. Lord, I know I skipped a couple of quiet times <clears throat> a month. What? Oh, yeah, about that. I've just been, you know, the kids and the, you know, and 
and, and you, you feel that thing. Listen, just kind of move all of that stuff to the side because the enemy is going to try to get you to not seek the Lord. And he'll even use the fact that you haven't been against you to try to get you not to. I was mentoring a young man once, and, uh, and, he, and he skipped our session, and then he skipped another session, and, uh, and I caught up with him and said, hey, what's going on? He goes, well, I know the questions you always ask me every time we get together. And he said, some of those are basic disciplines of the Christian experience. What are you praying about? How can I pray for you? What are you reading in Scripture right now? What are you excited about that God's showing you? And he said, I'm doing none of those things, and I knew you were going to ask me. I'm embarrassed about that, and so I just thought the best thing for me, just not show up. Listen, you're going to be tempted to try to figure this out by yourself and just not show up. And God's like, I'm here, and I want to help you. I love you. I'm not mad at you. I still like you. Just seek me. So get past that tendency to think, I'm just going to walk around and not do that. Now, you know, um, there's times I just pray, just, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. It's not just so that I can get out of this mess and get on with my life and get back to the things the way that they were. You know, I'd just love to have a normal day. That sounds pretty good to me. Um, I think there's something deeper that God's going to do. When God does great things in your life, he always does it through your circumstances. Well, I know that sounds existential, but I believe that he wants to use your life as this backdrop for revealing himself. And sometimes he's got to let you go through some stuff. Sometimes he's got to let there be a little hurt uh, so that that happens. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that when Jehoshaphat heard these three armies were coming against him, and he's absolutely terrified. He's just he's shaking. He, he doesn't know what to do. There's nobody to call because he is the guy people call. <laughs> you know, maybe you're like that at work. Or you ever felt like I felt like that as a dad? If you don't stop, I'm gonna tell somebody. I am somebody. I'm the guy. I'm gonna. You know, and you don't know where to go. That's what what he felt like, and so he was just terrified. And verse three says he's terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. He begged God, I need your help. The King James Version says it like this. I kind of like this. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. I just think it sounds cool. He set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat then prayed what you would call this prayer of despair. You ever prayed those? And you're a little embarrassed, but you think this is all I got, and this is what I got to do. It's kind of like when you call your mom for money, and you're broke, and they said, no, you got a budget, you got to do this. And you, hey, mom, I need $20. I need it right now. And, or you, maybe you've been in circumstances where you felt a little humiliated to go back to that resource. Sometimes that's where seeking God starts. And you know what? It's not always a bad thing. I think we need to be humble. It usually begins at this tremendous place of need in our life or a place of hurt, a place of fear. People who have even a dynamic walk with you know, Jesus will, will tell you this, that you, know, you, you look back on your life and you think, oh, it was in those moments that God, it was in this lack of resource, it was in this place of pain, it was in this time of confusion or this darkness, that's what pushed me uh, to seek a deeper spiritual experience uh, with the Lord. Uh, one of the first times this happened for me, I think I'd gotten my heart broken and, you know, I was having financial difficulties. I lived uh, behind my high school. I had a six-lane street that I lived on, 
and on the other side was the back of my high school, and I would go down on the practice field or the football field. It was cinders. Some, you don't remember that, <laughs> but we had a cinder track, and I would just kind of walk or run around that track, and then I would run up and down just the football field, and, and one night I was out there, and I was just so full of this, this hurt. I'll never forget, just dropping down. Okay, I'll do it for you. Oh, this is how it was. I was much younger then. It was easier to drop. Um, I dropped down, and I just threw myself. You mean do that too? Face first onto the, onto the field. And I said, God, I don't, care. I don't think I can get any lower than I am right now, and I need you. I need you. You're my only hope. You're the only place I've got to go. Will you help me? You help me. I'm, I'm helpless. I was in despair. The good news is you can pray that kind of prayer pretty much any time you need to from anywhere. You can pray it at the steering wheel of your car. Uh, you can pray it in your room. You can pray it where. It's, it's going to come uh, to you. And we quit trying to impress everybody around us. We quit trying to think egotistically, you know, I can, I can handle this. I can do this. I can figure it out. We just stop all of that, get really honest, and say, God, I don't have anything. I got nothing. I need you. I need you. The good news, pray that prayer. And the more time you spend in the presence of God, the closer you're getting to his power. Jehoshaphat said this during his prayer of despair in verse 9. He said, if disaster comes on us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine... I think about all the things that have ever happened to me. I'm sick. I'm not making good grades. I'm broke and this, the mortgage is due and my car's not running good. That just doesn't look like a lot compared to sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. We will stand before this temple and before you for your name is in this temple. We'll cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear, and you will deliver us. That confidence, even in the midst of that kind of despair, because seeking God begins with spending time in his presence, standing before him, pouring out your heart openly, honestly, shutting the door, making sure your roommates are gone, nobody's there, and then just crying. So if the phrase, you know, uh-oh, or oh no, or we got trouble. You know, if that kind of describes where you are right now, take a cue from Jehoshaphat. Now, you begin this by being, you think, well, how do I get started? Okay, I know I'm going to seek the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm there. How does that work? Okay, let me just give you just, just some ideas, some suggestions that just seem to work, and it seemed to be revealed in Jehoshaphat's life. First of all, seeking God in, involves transparency. Transparency means that we do away with the uh, dinnertime prayers or the King James prayers, you know, and, and we stop reminding God, oh, you're so lucky to have me on your side. And, you know, uh, quit trying to impress yourself or people or all of that stuff, these religious deeds that you do that make you feel better about who you are. Just get real honest and say, God, I've got to have you. I, I've got to have you, and I can't do this. Just be real transparent. Um, and, and you can pray that. Uh, any time, from any place. This is way too big for me. I can't do this, and I need you. Um, Jehoshaphat said, whenever we faced with any calamity like these things, we, we know to turn to you. 
we know to turn to you. And the second thing I want you to see is that seeking God involves not only transparency, you're at that place where you're not playing games anymore, you're not just goofing around and fooling around with God. The second you're being transparent, now you're gonna, you, it's going to involve giving of yourself. It's not going to come without sacrifice. It involves giving of yourself. There is a level of personal sacrifice. Uh, it, it could be in a business setting. Uh, you would call it a demonstration of good faith. You know, you, you, uh, it's our way of saying, God, I'm really serious about this. I mean this, and I'm ready to do my part. What is it you want me to do? What do I got to do? Just tell, I'll do anything you say. I'll do anything you say. When Jehoshaphat began to seek the Lord, he also invited the entire nation to seek God with him. The Bible says in verse 3 and 4, he, he also ordered everyone. He was afraid, and he resolved to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He proclaimed a fast. Let me tell you something. There's no better way for me to show myself or to, for me to nail down the fact that, hey, I really mean business, is then to skip a meal. Uh, when I go without eating, I, I'm pretty sure it makes the headlines in heaven. I think the angels run up to God and go, he didn't eat a meal. We think he's kind of in trouble. We think he must be serious now. Because that's probably the last thing I'm going to give up. Wow, Dan is really, uh, he's, he's messed up. He is fasting. But there's something about fasting. It's mentioned in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and there's something about it that, that seems to get God's attention. It seems to get our attention and help us to focus and move in the right direction. And I'm just going to encourage you. I know some of you never tried that. And you think, I thought that was an Old Testament thing, and I, I don't know. Is that really something we should do? I'm just going to ask you to check it out. Get serious about God. Give some consideration to the idea of fasting. And there are a number of ways you can go about it. I've done everything from skipping one meal or removing something from my life. Uh, listening to Jim Collins, a great business leader. He's got a brand new book out that the staff's going to go through later this year. Uh, just a brilliant kind of guy. Uh, and he talks about how he takes a media fast once a day. I mean, one day out of every month. He shuts off his cell phone, his Twitter, his Facebook, his computer, everything. He says, I don't do anything electronic for an entire day scared the life out of me. I thought, oh, are you serious, you know? But he did that. I mean, there's a number of ways you can do it, go about it. You may want to refrain from television, from video games, from the Internet, from something, and say, God, I'm just stopping that right now. I'm moving out of this part of my life so that I can create more space for you. I've got room. And the way I have fasted before is I will skip a meal, but I don't just try to rock through that meal and think, okay, I'm not going to try to think about how hungry I am. No, I'm going to take that time, and I'm going to get away somewhere alone with the Lord with this book, and I'm just going to seek Him. You see, I've created this space that I would be sitting down at the deli, firehouse that has 120 different flavors of drinks. Okay, that's... I've got to get that in all the time because I'm just, I'm just, that's fascinating to me. It's just, I'm going crazy over the fact. I go in all the time and the guy says, you're back today. I go, yeah, I just want to mess with your drink machine. This thing's crazy. How do you get a hundred? Okay. But when I fast from that and I go off to the park, I go up to the prayer chapel, 
I just, I just close myself in my office and I say, God, I'm just going to seek you today. I'm just going to listen to some music. I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to read your word. I'm going to find you. Right after the attacks on 9-11, there was a school teacher named um, Gary Weddle, and he said, I'm going to fast from shaving until we catch Osama bin Laden. Yeah, and, and he wasn't joking. And so he, he began to, he went 10 years without a razor touching his face. He made this decision, I'm going to abstain from shaving. Um, and, he, and he had these, these you know, he didn't even have spiritual motivations. Uh, but I thought, if that guy can do that and be serious about it, I can skip a meal, I can, you know. Can you imagine if you brought that level of commitment to your efforts? Seeking God means giving of yourself. And I don't want all you guys to show up next week, you know, and think, hey, Dan, check it out. Fasting from shaving. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Now, here's the third thing. Involve, seeking God involves listening in this story, we see that after the people of Judah poured out their hearts in God's presence, after they called on him for help, and before uh, him, you know, that they came to him with prayer and with fasting, God began to speak to them. And how did he do that? Well, here's what the Bible says in, in verse 13. It says, all the men of Judah, all of Judah, standing before the Lord with their babies, their wives, their children... Everybody came and stood before the Lord. And the Bible says, in the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Beniah, son of Jael, son of Methaniah, a Levite from Aspha's descendants. They all came, and he said, listen. He's kind of underlined that. Listen. What's the first activity I do? Listen. Shh, shh, shh. Be still. Be quiet. Listen. Listen. You ever had your parent or a professor or a coach to say, stop, stop, li listen. You're not listening. Carefully. All Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Bum, 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 bum. It's like, okay, we got it. I'm ready. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude. They could hear the orcs, you know. For the battle is not yours. This is God's. This is God's. Here's something you can count on. After a season of seeking the Lord, there's going to come a time when you're going to hear, thus saith the Lord. I know this part's a little mystical, but I, I just can't tell you how many times I've been going through something, and this happened to me even just recently, and all of a sudden this clear thought, and you have to be careful that it's not just your imagination or, you know, something in your head, but this thought, this is voice from the Lord. I don't know how else to tell you that, and I know you're going to think, ah, oh, he's getting kind of spooky. But there is a thus saith the Lord moment, and I know what to do. I know where to go. I know, I know how this is. I, I think, God, I just... I can't believe that. I feel like I'm hearing from you. It may be from the Bible. There's times I'm reading a scripture and it just jumps off the page at me. It could be from the words of a sermon. I had somebody a couple of weeks ago to come up and say, Dan, I just wanted to tell you what you preached on last week. I did, there was one sentence that just, it, it just popped out of everything else. I wrote it down. I took it home. I thought about it for a couple of days. There was my answer. 
It may come from a friend or a counselor in, in a counseling session from an advisor, but it's going to come at a time when you know that God is speaking. You're, you're going to know that moment, and you're going to just lean into that and go, God, I'm listening, and I hear you. If you're listening, if you're listening. One time I told a church member that God speaks to me. Every time I hear a sermon, God speaks to me and says something to me. And one of our members said, I wish I could say that. <laughs> hey, I'm standing right here. <laughs> they said, well, you listen to better preachers than I do. And I do. I listen, to a, I listen to several messages every week. But you want to know the truth? When you're listening, God's going to speak to you in situations that you ordinarily didn't count on him to speak to. You didn't know God's going to speak through your father, through your next-door neighbor. You thought, well, I've never looked to you for answers. There are times that God has spoken to me from the most unlikely sources. It happens a lot. Every time I open my Bible, you know, and I know people say, well, I try reading my Bible. I don't get anything. It's just kind of, it's just there. Stop flipping through it. Settle down and read it. I understand that because I've, I've been there. Uh, but when you're looking for answers and you read it with purpose and with expectations, God's going to speak to you through his word. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and it's not because you know, I don't get anything out of it because I am just so intelligent. You know, Dan, you're just so smart. Yeah, well, I, I know. But, you know, it's not because I'm just super spiritual and I've got, got this hot-wired connection. I'm God, I'm in with you. No, it's, it's that I've learned, and I'm learning to listen for his voice because I know what it is to not hear it, and I know what it is to not have him speaking in my life. So here's the question. You may want to write this down in your little thing there. Uh, God, what are you saying to me today? What do you want to say to me today? God always has something to say. We'll be quiet and listen. It involves listening. It involves listening. And here's the fourth thing. Seeking God involves making a decision to trust. When God began speaking to his people through a prophet, what did he say to him? Uh, look in verse 15. It says, this is what God says. This is what he says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I know it's a mighty army. I know these guys are huge and they're deadly. But it's not your battle. That's a huge concept. I mean, that just shifts everything, right? Oh, we were at the game yesterday and we saw this fight. It was during a time when there's like a timeout and there's nothing to watch. And you know how we need a constant feed of entertainment? <laughs> so a fight breaks out in the stands. We all stand up and start watching that. Well, that's just, yeah, we'll be back to the game in a minute. That is so cool. Look at that guy. He's so drunk. And they are just so fighting, you know. And, and we're just watching this. But I'm not scared of getting hit. I'm not going into fight or flight like I should go down there and punch that guy. No, I don't know. It's two or three sections over. I don't care. It's their fight. This is so good. I mean, there's so many times I have recouped, you know, a good night's sleep because, I, oh, God, I forgot. This isn't about me, is it? He goes, no, never was, never will be. It's all about me, and it's my fight. So you can go to sleep. I'm up. I got it. Trust me, it's not your battle. So don't be afraid. Tomorrow, I want you to go out and face this army. You'll meet them in the desert, but you're not going to have to fight them. Just stand firm, hold your position, and you're going to see something amazing. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 17, he says, don't be afraid. It really means stop being so scared. Pull yourself together, man up. 
Don't be discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow. You can underline this. For the Lord is with you. For the Lord, he is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged tomorrow. Go out to face them. Yahweh, Yahweh is with you. I love that. Do you remember 24? Do you ever watch that? I thought that was the greatest show. You know, I just, I, we would watch that, my guys. Um, and you remember Jack Bauer is always asking people to do these crazy things. I need you to go steal the truck and defuse the bomb. Okay, Jack, I'll do it. <laughs> you ever had friends ask you to do things and you think, no. And you're always trying to, you're egging each other. You go over there and do that. Well, I go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not do it. Somehow Jack Bauer could always talk people in every episode. He's talking to somebody, I forgot her name. Um, Chloe, yeah, Chloe. I want you to steal all the important papers and take pictures of them and send all that to me. I know your career's over and you're going to get fired and they'll probably put you in jail. Do it for me, Chloe. Okay, Jack, I'll do it, you know. Everybody did it because they trusted Jack Bauer. You know what? There are times when we don't have all the details, when we don't know how this is going to play out, we're not sure what's going to happen. We just need to trust God. And some of you are right on the verge of greatness. You're right on the verge of a solution to, to your problems, but you're so scared to trust God that you just stand on the edge and go, God, I think you will, and I've heard about you doing stuff like this, but I don't think I'm that guy. I don't think I'm the girl you do stuff like that for. I just read about other people's and hear their stories. No, God wants to give you a story. He wants to give you a victory. And there are times when we don't know what to do, but when you're seeking the Lord, there will be a moment when you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, I don't know what to do. God, I have no idea what you're up to. This is insane, but I choose to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to give in to my doubts and my fears and despairs. I feel so discouraged. I feel all alone in the world but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to do whatever you say to do. I was in my room. My, I have a little study, a bonus room, and I thought about this song. We don't sing it a lot anymore, but um, it's kind of this little bouncy tune. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. There's an unbreakable connection between trust and obedience. If you're struggling with obedience, it might be because you haven't settled the trust issue yet. One more aspect that I just I want to tag on here as we wrap up. Seeking God is going to involve a commitment to praise and worship. I know some of you hold that at a distance, or you're just, I'm not a music guy. I'm not comfortable with that. Listen to verse 18. It says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and with all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they all fell down before the Lord to worship him. Now look what happened in verse 19. It says, Then the Levites and the son of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of God, shouting with a loud voice. Isn't that cool? Do you see the, the two positions? I, I love this image that's wrapped up. They fell to their faces in worship, and then they got up and they stood up on their feet to praise. And they're shouting. They're shouting. 
Here's what I want you to consider. If the only time you ever engage in praise and worship is in this room on Sunday mornings and the band's playing and the words are up on the screens and uh, you think, okay, we did three songs. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. You're missing it. Praise and worship needs to be a part of your daily life, a part of your private life. And if you're getting serious about seeking the Lord... Make it a point to spend some time every day just bowing before Him and standing before Him. Bowing before Him in worship, standing before Him in praise. I'm a terrible dancer, but I'm pretty good when I close that door and I'm all by myself. Yeah, and I crank up some good praise music, and uh, oh, my kids would just love to have a flip video. I would be on YouTube tomorrow. I mean, they were just like... You got some moves, Papa. You know, I was like, yeah, that's from the 70s. That's like, I bring to God sort of a disco type praise because that's the only, that's what I know. So, you know, whatever works for you. And I'm not telling you to get crazy or weird, but you know what? You need to praise. You got to change. This, let me tell you that, and I'm not going to exaggerate. This is not more preacher talk. Bowing before God, getting on my face before Him in worship, and just emptying my soul out to Him and then standing to praise and to sing to Him. I think those two activities intertwined with one another has done more to change my spiritual life than anything else I can think of. Those two private practices. Some of you are looking for solutions, you're looking for change, you're in a lot of trouble, and you don't worship and you don't praise. Okay, we're going to see in, in, the, in the coming weeks, and this is kind of a spoiler alert here, God is going to come through for Jehoshaphat. He's going to come through for the people of Judah. He saved them from their enemies. He blessed them as a nation. And it happened all because Jehoshaphat early on took the right steps when trouble came. When he had these problems, when he felt attacked, he felt surrounded, he knew to surrender. He prayed, he fasted, he fasted, he listened, he trusted, and he worshiped. He immersed himself in God. This is what Jesus called, and what we're talking about on Wednesday nights in cafe, abiding. He was abiding in the Lord. And if you could summarize this into one word, it'd just be like surrender. God, I'm just so surrendered to you in all the areas of my life. Jehoshaphat surrendered himself, and God blessed him and all the people around him. What you do will affect your family, your company, your church, your friends. There's there's going to be a blessing. It's going to work the same for you. Would you stand with me? And I don't know where you are in this process, but I'm going to invite you to, to think through those practical points of application, those action points, and think, God, this is where I need to be. This is what I've skipped. I haven't even prayed. I haven't come to... I'm, I'm, and I need to do this today. I need to start moving in your direction, seeking you right now. So however this applies, wherever you are, would you engage? Would you take one step in that direction, into that moment? Be here. Be in this moment right now. This is not just for you to gather your stuff and think, oh, where do we want to get something to eat? You know, think, God, how are you going to apply this to my life today? What do you want to do? How are you going to change my circumstances through this message, through this scripture? If you need to come up here and pray, you can pray by yourself or we'll pray with you. You can do it right where you are. Let's trust the Lord.
Let's seek him. Father, we give you this moment. We surrender to you. We trust you. We're listening. We're going to ask for a blessing. And some in this room who are praying right now maybe haven't prayed in a long time. It may have been days or weeks or months, for some even years. But God, we're in despair. And so we throw away our embarrassment and we just come to you. And we put ourselves before you. We ask for your help. Please, Lord, for your glory, give us a testimony in Jesus' name.